everybody, welcome to The Truth Hurts. Today we're going to be talking a little bit more about Tessa Majors, the young white woman who was killed in Morningside Park in Harlem a few days ago. Because I feel that like this case, uh, it's, it's just one of those things. You guys hear me talk about Uber a lot if you listen to The Truth Hurts. And I talk about it because I feel like the existence and ascension and eventual downfall of Uber will serve as so many use cases for so many different types of things from employment structure to independent contractor to worker rights uh how to take over industry so many different things and certain events certain companies certain things just kind of bring everything to like a crossroad and i feel that this test of majors murder is uh, an example of that just with some other uh, topics that being gentrification which uh, I shot the podcast yesterday, gentrification, uh, poverty, right, welfare and subsidies, right, um, and then within societies, mobility and technology. So, our, if you do know, if you don't know, basically, uh, Tessa Major, she's a student at Barnard College, and uh, that's a, a school in Harlem. Excuse me, Morningside Heights now, uh, but it's you know right in the like connected to Harlem. And long story short, she was mugged and, and killed. She was uh, robbed and killed a few days ago. Uh, they're rounding up young kids. They think that the, the suspects are probably 13, 14. So, and, and it makes sense to me that these kids are 13, 14. And me being a resident uh, of Harlem for a long time, I want to just give some insight here to some things that people may not know. And uh, interesting. So one, the reason why I think these kids are young is because of the racial and social element. Here's what I mean. A, a 18, 19, or 20-year-old kid who's still into this type of crime or something would have known enough about the response and reaction to some white college student, right, from this, from this gentrified uh, area up there, right, come being murdered to say this would make them too hot. So probably from the beginning, they wouldn't even think to rob that uh, type of person. They would probably rob somebody like me or attempt to rob somebody like me. You know, a black guy maybe with a nice car, dressed nice, or, you know, maybe a short Mexican guy. Somebody that once it happened, um, the amount of effort and anger to catch the suspect would be low. And once you get old enough and you you know, you're in 17, 18, you know enough about society to know that, you know, hurting or robbing some white person will evoke the response that you actually are seeing with the atonement. You know, it's going to be a lot of overkill, a lot of over-policing, harassment, people saying, oh, kill the, uh, you know, get away from those niggas, all sorts of things you're going to hear from the top to the bottom, uh, low-level people, people in college. So I do believe that the suspects are young. The second thing I want to bring up is something that I touched on. I just want to give an example in uh, the podcast yesterday, and I'm going to actually drop them back to back, uh, where I detailed why this even happened, right? And um, I want to give an example of when I detail that to go a little bit deeper why it happened and the lack of 
I don't want to call it respect, but the lack of the lack of respect and the lack of interest in knowing where you're at. There's kind of like whenever I travel, I don't care if it's black, white, rich, poor, I follow like three things. I do a little bit of internet research, maybe five minutes. I check for some few demographics, news articles. I try to get a feel for the place. Right? Reviews, different things. Then I always listen to my intuition and my gut, and then I spark up conversations with people everywhere I go. White or black, I spark up conversations to understand people because people will tell you. Like, I've had a white person tell me, like, yo, no, you don't want to go there. Those people are like, they're, that, they're really racist over in that town. Right? So that's a white person telling me from the, a certain part, like, yeah, these people, they always on bullshit over here. Just be careful over here. I've had black people. When I was at, uh, when I was in college, one time I had uh, I was in Baltimore and I was initially I was staying off campus and I never forget I had a, like a sweater and a chain on at the time like 18 19 years old and a guy just stopped me I was about to walk home because I was late I missed the bus ride back to like the off-campus housing and long story short the guy was like listen they rob people all the time he's looking at me see I'm shining he said bro just take a cab or just wait like don't don't go now so those three things for me is the respect that I give to a community to know that I don't know I'm not from here so I don't know what I should and should not do you go to certain countries you have a watch on that nobody in America would probably try to rob you for they may try to rob you for that watch because of the poverty or specific uh, 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 texture or I don't know anything you got it you have to so one thing about a lot of people uh, the gentrifiers right there is an arrogance about a lot of people. And the arrogance is like, I'm wealthy, I'm white, I can do what I want. And like anything in life, I would say, you can do what you want, I can do what I want, but there's consequences to everything. So I think the wake up call now is like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna probably yield the, 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 the real answer, which should be, hey, you have to, you don't have to deal with everybody, but you have to have a, a bigger or better bridge of, of communication and information so both parties can know what to do and what not to do if for nothing else even if you don't care about those people for your own safety and in this case I hope that it's probably not going to be the response the response is going to be blame 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 assault assault they're probably going to be uh, just rap, uh, raking up little kids uh, every day and threatening them without their parents there because somebody said and it's just going to be a lot of harassment but hopefully would arise and it's like I said for your own safety it's just an understanding of that neighborhood because you have to understand I know that people that are not from these neighborhoods want to believe that 90% of the people are negative and into crime but it's actually the opposite uh, way it's, it's only 10% the problem is these neighbors nobody cares about people in these neighborhoods so the 80 or 90% of people who are completely clean or you know doing whatever just you know either working low wage jobs or middle class working regular jobs these people just have no protection. The cops don't really care about you. The state doesn't care about you. So you're just left at your own devices. So yeah, you don't snitch and you don't get involved with this stuff because these criminals are kind of allowed to run wild in this environment because they don't really want the violence to stop. They just don't want it out of control. But then you have places like Harlem, right? These gentrified places where that have, that have always been a little mixed up, but have become so mixed up, it's, it's just ridiculous. You have places like literally, uh, proximity of 
Columbia University and Barnard University are like really in the, in the middle of two or three projects and some of the worst projects in Manhattan and they're literally like that that actually have been warring with each other for years so even to build something there without addressing that issue first eh, it leads me to think I don't know what people think but that's like a failure to address like there's a serious problem here that residents of Harlem all know about you understand what I'm saying and that's what I want to get into when you're from any place like I said you know what to do or what not to do or at least you have a better understanding of what's highly probable and what's uh, less probable and it always makes sense to listen to like that 80 or 90 percent of the people who are good or just neutral when they tell you about some of these things so let's deal with some specifics then i'm going to give an example me i'm from home morningside park just like a few other parks in harlem i would say has a mixed reputation on an early day on a holiday when people are picnicking and barbecuing and all that stuff it's a pretty regular place and it's I would say it's pretty safe uh, you know you may have a little thing here or there but generally safe in the daytime for most people when it's fully populated and in the park center but you would also know when it's not populated other times it's not a park the way it's designed the way it's structured the way it's covered that you would just walk through if there's another route you would probably walk around those parks you go to 123rd or 125th you go somewhere else on the street before you just cut through that park and then at night you definitely wouldn't just go through that park now like things have changed obviously but these are just things that are kind of imp- implemented in your mind that you know not to, to go down that pathway by yourself no weapon you're not like some super tough person anyway you would just know that that's an example of just being aware like i like what you see with gentrification and what i noticed in harlem for a few years i'm like man you see white people and some of these people going down blocks and i say you would go through but your your antennas would be up and you see the way they're walking and the way they're just existing and you're like do they know that this is 114 between do they know the gangs that are here? Do they know that these people will, you know, this is a block that, that the people are on super bullshit and they may just start trouble with you for no reason because they're angry at life? Like, but they don't know. But the, I think the bigger problem is that they don't care. And they're not supposed to care. Oh, well, I'm not gonna say what they're supposed to do, but it's not that they need to care in terms of like, oh, these people are struggling and I should have sympathy or empathy for them. No. Just like the example when you guys listen to the uh, other podcasts I've made on this issue, my feeling is always, hey, I want to, I want to, I want to not only make money and live good life, I want to be able to enjoy it. So while some people take the uh, the position of, oh, you don't, you don't work hard for this, you don't, that's fine, you can feel that way. But my thing, I have a little bit of a different uh, approach. If you're alive, I want you to have enough so you don't bop me over the head. And then if you still want to bop me out of the head just because you don't want to work, don't want to do nothing, then that then we have we'll we deal with those people. But we can eliminate tons of people by just making sure that everybody has the basics. I guarantee you these young kids, the homes they come from, uh, probably have no food. 
just that they're probably the most insane environments that these type of kids, because these are the type of environments that produce these kids. Um, this is why, like, even in a place like Harlem, my sister's a top lawyer, myself, pretty, pretty cool guy, always was pretty positive, can produce people like me because my parents were educated, they worked hard to get us into the better building, better side of places like that. So even though we were around certain things, I never had a situation where I came home, I'm 13, 14, and there's no food. <laughs> so even though I know about people that go through that, I've never experienced it. But I could imagine that that probably would lend me to make a, a, a more foolish decision. So the response you're going to see on the other side is about, you know, hurting the kids and they should be tried as adults and all that. And that's a whole nother topic. But let's give another example of that lack of communication, that lack of research, that lack of respect for what's been happening in the community. Because like I'm telling you, when these people gentrify, they don't call board meetings, they don't look to get the sages of the community and research and find out what's going on, where do you go, where don't you go, what's this historically, because their feeling, in my opinion, is this is anywhere where we are now, where once we build a coffee shop, <laughs> in another little place, we're here now. So the feeling that they have is like, this belongs to us. So I don't think that there's enough respect for the community for them to go get this information. So I think there should be enough sense though, especially after this, to get it, if not for your own safety, because you really should go and find out, hey, what's insulting, what's not insulting, what's, you know, why does this restaurant stay open so late? You really should be finding out the cultural and systematic and infrastructural uh, processes that a, that a neighborhood goes through. But that would require a lot of respect for the people in place, and they don't have that. But at least for your own safety. And like the example I gave, when I'm traveling around America anywhere, I'm always, first thing I'm always thinking, safety is first. Safety is first. I'm going into different towns. I could be pulling up in Washington, D.C., Baltimore in some ghetto. I could be down south of Virginia in some fucking Confederate place. You understand? So oh, at any time, you got to pick up things, you know? So like, I give you some examples when I'm driving uh, through neighborhoods. I always notice the number of, obviously you will notice a Confederate flag, but something less obvious is the number of American flags. American flags and people having them up. I'm not saying they're all racist. Some people are great people that have American. But usually, from my experience, the type of Americans that go to the extent of not just repping the flag, which is perfectly fine, but putting one outside your home or, or proudly waving it on your house, when you start seeing that, I know that I'm going into a probably a prejudiced neighborhood. I know I'm in a prejudiced uh, neighborhood. Am I right all the time? Probably not. But that's just an, an, an antenna and an awareness. On the flip side, when I'm going into a, 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 a black neighborhood, I can tell if I'm in like a Prince George's County, Maryland, where people are on the up and up, or I've reached the ghetto. I start seeing the liquor stores, the bums on the corner, a couple guys with their pants hanging. All right, now I'm in the hood. <laughs> So now antennas is up because I know what happens in the hood. I know what happens in racist white neighborhoods. I know, so there's different risks. So I got the cops in the racist white neighborhood, maybe a racist guy, old Confederate flag uh, repping guy. But then my risks change when I go to, you know, the slums of Baltimore. The point is, it don't matter how, how arrogant I am, I can never let my arrogance supersede my safety. 
you see. I'm, I'm 6'5", 240. I tell you guys all the time, I'm tough as nails. And I know how to fight. You know, I'm not the toughest guy in the world, but I know how to fight. I know how to protect myself, and I don't care. But I'm not stupid. Not stupid enough to go to communities that I'm not familiar with and not do my research. Not do my research and find out what's going on in that neighborhood. So when I was thinking about this and reading up and seeing what's going on with the case, and we're going to wrap this up after this story, it brought me to something that happened in that area that really like maybe three, four blocks from where this murder happened. Over, let me see, I'm 39, 25, 26 years ago, I'm old as hell. 26 years ago, and it was a perfect example to, 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 to make the point I'm, I'm making today. So here's what happened. I went to junior high school at a school called Columbus Academy. Now, this was a school on 77th Street, downtown Manhattan, but it had numerous schools inside of it. One called the Computer School, IS-44. The whole, it had like, it was one of those schools that had like, you know, a couple of nice, like advanced schools and then like a regular public school, but great school. I met some of the coolest people there. And if you've heard my podcast, you know that the only way I even got into that school was getting outside of my district. Shout out to my mother for working hard to make sure I got a good education and got me into a good school. I was also able to meet people from all backgrounds, all races, which enabled me to be excessively comfortable uh, as I got older with all types of people. Now, not that all those type of people were comfortable with me, <laughs> but it enabled me not to ever feel out of place. So I went to school at Columbus Academy. And uh, in junior high school, maybe this was seventh or eighth grade, I cannot confirm, you know, I was on the basketball team and we would play different schools, obviously. So one of the schools that we had to play, and I think this was like my senior year there, I was 13 probably, about to graduate eighth grade. We had to play a school called Wadley. Now Wadley was a school that was on 114th, and I think it's probably still there, between 7th and 8th Avenue. And that's literally two, three blocks from where this happened, right? And Wiley um, was a pretty bad school. I said, you know, it had some good things about it, but it was generally known as a bad school where some of the kids are bad. And the block that it was on is notoriously gang infested and bad. And if you know anything about Harlem and different people, you know somebody, some gangster, somebody who's from that that block or something that's going over there. So we had a bad block and a bad school type of place where people can start trouble. So now, in my on my basketball team was most of my friends too, so it was good. Like most of my, maybe other than like two people, we all kind of played basketball and it was a diverse group of friends. But in terms of Harlem, I was the only one on the team that was from, actually there was one other person that was on the team but uh, he was much younger, he was in sixth grade at the time. But long story short, I was from Harlem. So I, at 13 years old, didn't know everything. But being from Harlem, I knew a lot more than all of these other kids. Some of them were from downtown, some of them were from really up in Washington Heights. Different places they didn't know the Harlem neighborhood, right? So we were having this game and we were, you know, a little like, you know, we heard about Harlem and the kids, some kids were a little anxious, right? Like, oh, we got to go Harlem and we hear sometimes they start trouble and this or that, this or that. And we hear the rumors. So where the, 
the key point happened was how we were going to get there. So we got to the train station. I don't, I'm trying to think because it's such a long time ago. I'm trying to remember if we made this decision at the train station or, or before. But regardless, we all split up. And it was two groups. One group went with me and the rest of the people went another route. And I'm going to explain the route. So for me, since I was from Harlem and I knew about the BS, I said, all right, where are we going? We're going to 114th. We got to get to 8th Avenue, go down the block right there. So I started to backtrack and think of a safe route. I said, all right, we want to take the train to one. Yeah, I took, I said, let's take the, the one or nine train to 110th Street, right? And Broadway. And then we're going to walk down 110th and on either 8th Avenue or the Avenue before, which could be Bradhurst, Morningside, Convent, one of that. I can't think exactly. On that Avenue, still a pretty decent area, pretty nice. I don't really get bad to about 14, 15. We're going to walk over to 114th and just walk down that block and then walk down 8th Avenue. So really, I was limiting our danger zone blocks to pretty much a half a block to a block. Meanwhile, everybody, and mind you, this was a longer route. This was a much, much longer route than simply taking the two or the three train to 110th Street and Lenox Avenue. But I knew once you're getting off in the danger zone, and it's much better now than it even was back then. You have projects right there. So from on Lenox, 111, 112, 113, 114, all that's bad. 7th Avenue is a slightly better, but it's bad. The blocks between Lenox and 7th are bad, 7th and 8th are bad. So that whole area was bad. So I said, all right, if you do that, especially you don't even know which way to walk. Um, because if I'd have, I, I'd have still would have told them, okay, go up to 7th Avenue, then walk up on the uptown side um, to 114th, then just come up 7th Avenue. That's what I would have told them. But long story short, I had my route, the people that trusted me and thought like, all right, oh, from here, he's not from this exact block, but he knows, let me follow him, came with me and the other kids came, excuse me, went to 110th and, and Lenox Avenue. Then I guess they did something real foolish, like walk up Lenox and then walk up 114th. Long story short, the guys went with me, we got there, no problem, I led the bunch, I knew what I was doing, we got there safely, everything was good. By the time the other half of the team got there, they had been mugged, somebody tried to steal their hat or jacket or some BS happened, right? And while I didn't feel good or vindicated, I was like, I remember telling, yo, why did y'all listen to me? I told you, I know it, but why did y'all go this way? Y'all went through the jungle. <laughs> You walked right through the jungle as opposed to just walking around with me. And I felt it would have been better if we, the more of us, the better. Because it would have been 10 of us, 12 of us, 14 of us, as opposed to six of us in these two little groups of kids that are going to look somewhat out of place, right? Because like I said, I went to a, a diverse school. So I don't remember every single person on my team, but I remember, uh, I'm not going to say names, but a couple guys were white couple uh, light-skinned Spanish guys so it looked like a diverse group of people and even the black kids you know we were this was like a I mean, it was a public school but it was in a nice area so the kids you know had a little bit of, of resources so you weren't rich people but you you know
know, you can tell, a poor person can tell when you even have uh, a little bit compared to them. And that's how we probably appear. It's from like maybe the jackets that we wore or different things, sneakers. So I thought that that was a good example to say, all right, so why am I telling this story, right? The, the point is, bullshit does happen in these neighborhoods. And that's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother time. Gentrification is happening as we speak. This incident that happened with this Tessa Major is a, a big moment for this. But the point is, this can be solved by opening up the communication and stop with the arrogance and tap into a few people so you can get the information and really understand the place that you're living in. Because if you, you can't just not address the issue and then act like the people are not there. Because what's happening, even in this lady, like I said, the walk she took is not the most suspect walk, but I probably wouldn't take it, I'll be honest with you. It's not the safest walk. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, something I've probably ever done in my life. And I've been, I lived 30, 40 years almost. And you know, I've been uh, around a little bit, but I've spent tons of time in all of them. And I've never taken that route. So it lends to like, who told her that this was a safe route? Why was she so comfortable just being there by herself uh, as a white woman in this neighborhood? So guys, what's right or wrong, I don't know, but I know the truth hurts. And I know the truth is that gentrification uh, what we're going to see in this case is going to be a lot of things coming to a head. And unfortunately, the changes will probably be negative, but they could be positive. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it here. I just want to set an email address for you guys in case you want to get in contact with any comments, suggestions, feedback, positive or negative. Anything that's not gross or disrespectful is more than welcomed here at the podcast because we just want to push progress and think forward. That email address is podcast at gmail.com. Once again, podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's T-T-H-B-L-K podcast at gmail.com. Basically, it's the truth hurts, but lies kills uh, podcast, and it's just abbreviated. So the whole title of the pro- podcast is abbreviated, uh, put into six different letters, followed by the word podcast as one long word, right? T-T-H-B-L-K podcast at gmail.com. Please get in contact. Don't hesitate. Anything you can think of, suggestions, other podcasts, anything that you feel is relevant, trust me, we will look at it, we will engage, and uh, we will push the agenda forward. Thanks a lot, guys.